and welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyon. We're glad you joined us today, and we sincerely hope that you're blessed with today's message. Well, again, good to be in the house of the Lord, and uh, we're going to continue. You know, last week I, I started and I spoke on uh, making godly choices in an ungodly culture, walking in purity. And that was a one-time message, but the more I began to look into that, I thought, you know, I'm just going to continue to speak on this because more than ever in our generation, we're faced with decisions that make a huge impact in our future. And you may think this morning as, as we continue in this, you may think that even a small decision, oh, that's no big deal. No, please realize this. Every decision you make makes an impact whether positive or negative. And for example, I remember when I first met Anna, and it was a Wednesday evening at a church service, okay? How many know it's a good place to meet a future spouse if you're in church, okay? I'm just saying. So I met her, and after church, I, I'm looking at this young, beautiful woman just uh, there, and I'm thinking, I, I want to get to know this woman. So I said, hey, how about, would you mind, let's go out and grab a cup of coffee? There was a restaurant just a block away from the church. And she said yes. And that night, after our three-hour sit-down of having coffee for three hours, I never had met her before, never had talked to her before. I knew she was going to be my future wife. I knew that at that moment. She knew I was going to be her future husband that day. But what if I hadn't asked her out for coffee? What if I had just said, I'm tired, i got to get home, i got to get to work tomorrow morning at 7, it's, I don't have time for this. What if she had met somebody else that week, somebody else had invited her out for coffee? You know what I mean? All our little, little choices like that can affect our future. Raquel and Bianca wouldn't be here if I hadn't taken Anna out for coffee. So Raquel, say praise the Lord for coffee. <laughs> Amen. So how many remember the movie Back to the Future? Raise your hand if you remember that movie. That movie and the other sequels are all based on choices. The person going back into the future and reversing events and how it changed and transformed his future. Marty McFly's future got dr drastically changed and transformed. And for a lot of us too, we can look back and say, man, I wish I could have done this or done that back then. And I wouldn't be in the predicament I'm in now. But here, listen to me today very carefully. You still have the power and ability to make wise choices for your future. God, as a, as a believer today, He wants to pour favor into your choices and decisions that you make. How many know that? Amen. He wants the best for you. Amen. So, again, sometimes we make unwise choices which aren't momentous at that moment but down the road as the video that we just watched shared 5, 10, 15 years they can become tragic they can be tragic choices many choices can appear to be insignificant at that moment uh, for example the teenager you know uh, this week in the past few weeks many teenagers have been going to prom and every year, unfortunately, whether it's here locally or somewhere else, you hear of tragic stories of, 
of, of prom night and somebody getting all boozed up and getting in the cars with somebody that's drunk and then an accident occurring and a teenager losing their life on one of their most happiest occasions as a teenager or should have been. And choices by getting into a car, choices by uh, putting yourself as a, as a young person one-on-one with a, with a person of the opposite sex and, and that leads to choices that you later regret. You know what I'm saying this morning. So again, every little thing does add up. Everything that you do is important. Amen? But thank God He gives us the wisdom to make wise choices. So this morning, if you have your handouts, if you don't raise your hand, you'll get one this morning. But I want to talk to you about the choices of Lot in the Old Testament. How many remember the story of the nephew of Abraham, who was Lot, named Lot... And I want to take you to Genesis chapter 13, verses 5 through 18. I've included that whole, all those scriptures in your outline, so you can follow along with me. But uh, because it's so long, you don't need to stand this morning. I'm going to read this to you this morning. Genesis chapter 13, verses 5 through 18. Now it says this, Now Lot, who was moving about with Abraham, also had flocks and herds and tents. He was a rich man. Okay, I'm just saying right now. He was a rich man. But the land could not support them while they stayed together. For their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herders and Lot's. The Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. So Abram said to Lot, Let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. So Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan toward Zoar was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. And the two men parted company. And verse 12, Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents toward or near Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. And the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had parted from him, Look around from where you are, to the north and the south, to the east and west. All the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. So Abram went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he pitched his tents. There he built an altar to the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, your word is truth. It declares great truths and great nuggets of wisdom. And I pray this morning that you would declare that, that each 
person here would open their hearts to receive that. Pray for your anointing, for your word to just flow. And that God, that your word would be declared in all its truth and all its glory. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So here the, the story of Lot teaches us about life's choices. Every one of us have choices. If you're married here today, you're engaged, you're going to get married, you're, you're, you're single. I mean, they're all choices where you're at right now. Look at, your, look at your spouse next to you and say, you're my choice. Right? Now you better smile when you say that, okay? You better smile when you say that. I'm just a good suggestion, alright? Because it's not going to go well with you at home when you get home. Alright, so again, we, we need to make good choices. And I want to talk to you real quickly about seven points on making godly choices. Making godly choices. Because number one, since choices often result in eternally significant consequences, we must choose in line with God's principles. When in doubt, always, everybody say always, always. look at God's principle. God isn't going to do something different just for you. What I mean by that is, if you know something's wrong, and you go ahead and do it, God's not going to make an exception just for you. If it's already declared in the, as a principle, it's a principle. It doesn't change. Amen? So, here, here's what's significant about that. Number one, with, Sod, with uh, Lot, the Bible says that he first looked towards Sodom. See, he had his eyes on Sodom. And Sodom is a type of, of sin. It, it, just like Egypt in the Bible, it's talking metaphorically there uh, about how he looked. He looked at the sin and desired it. How many remember what took place in the Garden of Eden? Eve looked at the fruit and desired it for it was pleasing to what? To the eye, the Bible says. She desired it. It was sin. The Lord had already told her, stay away from it. Stay away. Don't touch it. You can have everything else, but don't touch that fruit right there. So here's Lot essentially doing the same thing. He looked towards it, and then the Bible says that he moved his tent near Sodom. He went right up next to sin. See, here's the thing with, with us as believers is we, we don't want to sin. We know that's, that's wrong against God's principles, but we'll come right up next to it. We'll get right here as close as we can because we don't want to sin. But we'll get right up next to it, right? Have you ever caught yourself doing that? You're just going to get right there. But how many know that when you're right there at that border, at that fence, you're easy prey for the enemy? You're easy prey because now you're away from typically the flock, God's protection, God's guidance. The other day we went to, uh, uh, last weekend, we went to Bodega Bay to go have some good clam chowder. And on the way over there, there on highway, uh, well, whatever the highway is, we saw a bunch of sheep out there, and it was a beautiful sight. And I told the girls, watch, because there was a flock all together under this big tree. There was probably at least a hundred of them. And I said, watch, look for the fence and watch, there's going to be one or two sheep out there. And sure enough, as we drove out, there was one or two just grazing out there by themselves. And I told them, see those sheep? They're in danger right there because they're away from the protection of the rest of the flock. Any, if there's a, a predator that comes in that field, they will be devoured. First ones, first ones that will be devoured because they've strayed away from the, from the flock. And this is what Lot was doing. He, he went right up here, right up to that fence and said, I'm not going to sin, but I'm going to get right there next to it. 
But the crazy thing about this is that not only did he move his tent there, he in 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 in, in chapter fourteen and verse twelve it says that he ends up sitting at the gate of Sodom. He becomes a public official of Sodom. He gets on their city council essentially. So he comes up to that gate. And then now he's a part of it. See, sin doesn't leave you alone when you come up to it. It's going to devour you and swallow you up. It's going to take you in. And that's what it did with, uh, with Lot. It took him in. Now he's a public official on that city council with the rest of that council of Sodom. And again, all because of choices. He made that choice to be there. Little by little, he, he, he follows and, and starts living his life in there. And we know the story how he lost his wife, barely escaped his own life, you know, uh, hanging in the balance. And uh, he goes off and the Bible tells us that he goes off and hides in a cave. And this is, this is where his daughters then made him drunk and he commits incest with them, the Bible says. And then he has children from his two daughters, which were the, the, the Moabites and the Ammonites, two of Israel's greatest enemies in the Old Testament. All because of one choice that he made of where he lived. Sin followed that choice all the way to the end of his life. It's amazing what happens with one choice. One simple choice. Number two, choices often result in eternally significant consequences. So we can see the progression in the story with Lot, what's happening in his life, right? And, and here, as I mentioned, they were both rich. Abram and Lot were extremely rich, but they couldn't live together anymore. And so that was why they, they needed to separate. But here's a quick thing about wealth. Wealth doesn't get rid of your problems. It only increases your problems. It only increases stress and pressures. How many have said, man, if I only had an extra 500 bucks a week, if I only had an extra $1,000 a month, if I only had a newer car, yada, 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 yada. Well, let me tell you, right now, if you've, if you've been, if you're as old as I am, you know, I'm 29, if, if you're as old as I am, <laughs> hey, you don't have to laugh that hard. But if you've been around for a while is what I'm saying, you know that's not the truth. Because how many of you can think back to 20 years ago, what were you making back then? What are you making now? Probably, I'd say maybe even double now, possibly for some of you. Life is still the same. You're still facing the same challenges if you're not careful. You're, the answer to being happy in life is not wealth. It's not about making $200,000 a year, $300,000 a year. You're only going to have increased pressures, increased stress by that. It's how you manage that. Amen? Amen. Uh, I didn't hear you. Can I get an amen? Amen. 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 So, again, wealth won't solve that. And here, Lot wasn't just deciding for himself. See, the Bible says he, he looked for himself where, but he had his family. And also, the Bible mentions the Perizzites were living there. Uh, and who was the other group? The Canaanites were living at that land. See, the decision that Lot made affected all those groups. It affected Abram. Because Abraham said, you choose first. Even though Abram was the uncle, he deserved, he had the honor to say, okay, I want the Canaan land the, the, or, or the rich land, the, what, what Lot picked, what appeared to be good to the eye. Okay, 
And how many know this scripture that says we walk by faith and not by sight? Aren't you thankful for that scripture? Because that's what Abraham was doing. You know, here, here Lot chose this land full of, of blessing. It looked appealing to the eye. And over here, Abraham, I believe he went like this. Okay, Lord, as he's looking down at the dust in the ground, this is what I got, and this is what my nephew gets now. And at that moment, he began to live and walk by faith, not by sight. And I believe when he saw the dust, the Lord spoke to him and said, Abram, look at the dust. Your generation, your descendants will be as numerous as the dust on the ground. I mean, dust, not, not rocks, dust. So numerous. And so Abraham, we, we know him as the father of faith. He was a wealthy man. He brought his wealth and God continued to bless him. And we're going to learn a little bit more about that this morning. But again, here, these choices... For, for Lot, for example, there was increased wickedness for Lot's choice in, in choosing Sodom. There was wickedness already taking place. He moved there. So uh, what I'm saying this morning is, if there's that job offering that's being offered to you, and it's enticing because there's more money there, don't make decisions solely based on money. For example, when Anna and I were looking at a house last year, we could have bought a house much cheaper in another community, much cheaper. But we chose here because we just felt this was the house God gave us to do ministry in. Sometimes you have to begin to say, well actually, all the time you should begin to say, Lord, what is your desire for me in this case? What is your will for me in this case? God is not going to steer you wrong. Amen? So... Again, look to the Lord to give you direction. Here's another scripture I want to read. Um, in Luke chapter 12, verse 45, this declares regarding wealth. It says, to whom much is given, much shall be required. So if you're praying for that extra $100,000 a year, listen to that scripture. Let me read it one more time. To whom much is given, much shall be required. How many know that's the case? That's the truth. If, if you look at those that are millionaires or those that are affluent, much is required of them. <coughs> and because of that, a lot of times they are unhappy. And you just turn on the TV and look at all the Hollywood stars. Money doesn't bring them happiness. They're falling apart left and right. They don't even know who they are. Some of these people that have millions upon millions, they struggle in their daily life. Money is not the answer. I want to make sure you understand that. Wealth is never the answer. So we need to pay serious attention when the Lord is speaking to us about decisions we need to make, about choices, because they will affect you, your kids, your grandkids, your families at large. Amen? See, Lot did something many American Christians do. Hear me on this one. Usually without much thought. They decide on the very first thing that... Uh, well, let me read it to you this way, what I put down. He made a major life decision based on the unchallenged assumption that pursuing prosperity should be the main goal in life. Pursuing prosperity... Yes, we know the American dream has always been to own your own home and to be debt free and, and, and all that good stuff. And, and if you're at that place, God bless you. But it shouldn't be the all in all. 
of prosperity is, I gotta, I gotta do this, I gotta do that. It's alright if, if you rent. It's alright if, if you even live in a trailer. It's alright. I'm not saying any of that is wrong. I'm just saying if you're doing the will of God, God will bless you where you're at. But don't let prosperity, don't let wealth deceive you into thinking that's the all in all. Because it's not. In fact, if you think about it, some of you may have been happier when you earned less, when your mortgage was smaller, when you didn't have all the bills you have now, and all the pressures of having to go to work because you owe, you owe, so off to work I go. You've seen that bumper sticker? Right? Some of you, when you think back and look back, say, man, that wasn't too bad after all, right? We all have thought that at some point. But again, don't pursue just prosperity. That's not the main goal in life. Amen. So Lot chose Sodom because he saw the lush valley. It was appealing to his eye. It was appealing to his senses. And he believed that he would prosper there. That's what the Bible says. Lot's heart, unfortunately, was still down in Egypt. He, see, he was influenced by what the Egyptian land had and offered him. That was, that was really a slave mentality, a bondage mentality at that time to desire Egypt. And he was still influenced by that. So when he saw Sodom, it reminded him of that and he chose that. He chose that. Lot's heart um, was clearly still in Egypt. Lot didn't want any part of the hard life that he saw in Canaan because he didn't see it prospering. He didn't walk by faith. He walked by sight. He didn't walk by faith. He walked by sight. And, and finally, many Christians or American Christians like Lot decide they're going to live based on their finances, not on spiritual reasons. In other words, like where you're going to live. I really think it's important. I've heard some of you here say that. I want to live in a certain community because I want to prosper there spiritually. You know, I, I believe God called my family here to American Canyon, to this community. And so we're going to, you know, God's been prospering us here in this community. And I believe that if you ask God to give you direction in that, He will provide you that direction. How many know that this morning? Amen. Amen. <coughs> Excuse me. And then finally, verse 11 of chapter 13 stated this that Lot chose for himself Lot chose for himself see he was greedy he was thinking only about himself he wasn't thinking about well what is this going to impact or what kind of ramifications are there going to be for my future generation or maybe those that are with me right now all he thought about was me 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 just like it started in the garden of Eden it was all about one person back then and here Lot is doing the same thing. He and his family ended up paying an awful price for all that, for that decision. Many choices have eternally significant consequences. How do we make good choices this morning? How do we do that? Well, number three, we must choose in line with God's principles. And you've heard me share the scripture, it's possible to gain the whole world and lose your soul. Do you know that? It's possible to gain the whole world and lose your soul. I don't, I don't want to be a billionaire if it means me losing my soul. Because how many know millionaires ain't what it used to be? A million bucks isn't what it used to be anymore. Although that could keep you happy, right? But even that, um, I don't want to lose my soul. 
if it's just over money. Um, God's king, God, see, God owns all of this. And in heaven, where you and I will be one day, gold, that's just going to be pavement up there in heaven. We value gold here. We say, oh, it's worth so much an ounce, and, and I have bought, you know, this many ounces of gold and so forth. That's pavement in heaven. That's nothing. God is the owner of everything you see. Amen? Amen. So we must, we must make wise choices. Amen? There's much more in life than the outward and material possessions. We've got to base our choices on God's word and God's word alone. And God will, if you ask him, Lord, give me wisdom. Is this, is this the right house you want me to buy? Lord, is this the right job you want me to take? Lord, is, is this the time you want me to leave this job now and head into retirement? If you're not sure, begin to ask him. He'll tell you that. He'll declare it to you. Amen? Yeah. Number four, make choices which value relationships over rights. And here's what I mean by that. Verse 8 stated this, Please let there no, be no strife between you and me because we are brothers. There is nothing more important than your family right now. Don't be that person that causes division in your family. Don't be that person. If someone else chooses to do that, let that be on them. But don't you be that person that causes division in your family. In fact, take the higher road and you forgive them even when you may not need to forgive somebody forgive them amen because don't let there be strife between you and your brother your sister your mother your father your your cousin whoever and many of you here may have relationships like that i i heard a, just recently somebody shared about a forgiveness that they went through by asking somebody to forgive them and and it was a great relief for them in their spirit that something that occurred years ago and finally had been weighing on them and and they reha- they hashed it out and now that person that that received that was healed of that it's no longer a weight on them it's no longer a bondage to them when you ask for forgiveness it really brings a healing to you how many have experienced that here right Amen. So make choices which value relationships over rights. How can God's people bear witness for Him if the world sees them fighting and fighting and bickering? How can God or be an effective witness, or how can we be an effective witness outside these walls if we're bickering and fighting with our family? Amen. That's what Abram was trying to prevent from happening with Sodom. He didn't want to bicker with them. That's why he said, here, Lot, you choose. You take the best of the land. Even if it means that, God will honor you when you, when you have a submissive and humble spirit like that. God will bless you for that, just like he blessed Abram. See, Abraham had a right to choose whatever land he wanted and to let Lot have the leftovers, right? We all have that, right? When you get to be retired, you know, you deserve to sleep in, you know, till 10 o'clock in the morning. One o'clock if you want to, right? Exactly, amen. And all the retired people are saying, amen. You deserve that right. All of us that are still working, we long to get to that point, right? We're longing and we're pointing to one day in the future. But you deserve that because you put in the time Abraham put in the time here, yet he humbly said, 
Lot, you choose. You pick. What, what a humble man to do that. Because we read how in the Old Testament, it was strictly, it was, it was old, old school, right? If I'm the uncle, I'm telling that nephew what to do and where to go and how to do it. But no, he took the, the avenue of saying, Lot, you choose. You choose because I'm going to walk by faith. I'm going to trust God. And when you begin to do that, you watch God pour favor into your life. Amen. So here's the thing. So much bickering and quarreling can be avoided even in the church if we would put a premium on our relationships. Amen. I thank God for our church because I don't see that here. I, I really don't. And, you know, I know that exists in, in larger churches. It can exist here as well someday, possibly. But I, I pray that we'd never get to that point where people are petty and they quarrel. Let's, let's be a bigger person than that. Amen? Are you with me on that? I love our church and the church relationships we have with each other. We have a healthy, healthy church. Amen. So here, the final scripture on that point I want to share with you is in Romans chapter 14 and verse 19. It says this, Let us pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. If you find yourself in a situation where you're quarreling or you're beginning to quarrel with someone, remember that scripture. Write it down right now if you have a pen. Romans 14 verse 19. You can look it up later. Let us pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. That is so important. It's a foundational principle. Now point number five, and I'm going to hurry through these. Make choices which value godliness over greed. Godliness over greed. If we look back in verse 10, (coughs) excuse me, Lot lifted up his eyes and chose the land which, he, which looked the best to him. He looked at it and chose it because it looked appealing to him. And in verse 14, look at the contrast here what Abram did. Abraham is, and, and he's standing there and wondering, first of all, if he did the right thing. And I'm sure his wife Sarah is going like, what did you just do? You gave the best land to your, to your nephew? What are you thinking? Not that any of you wives would do that to your husbands because all you husbands here make godly choices. Amen? Oh, it was quiet there. <laughs> Amen. So here, God tells Abram to lift up his eyes and look in every direction. Look up and lift up your eyes. See, he began to look around and... and by faith. He walked by faith and not by sight. That was the great thing about Abram. He saw all the lands, yet at the same time he still said, Lot, you choose first. He, don't you know that Abram physically saw what looked the best? He knew what looked the best, but he knows that the best, what appears to be the best, isn't always the best thing for you. Isn't always the best thing for me. And he said, okay, I'm just going to give my, uh, my nephew Lot the first choice. And he did. And again, he, uh, he walked by faith and not by sight. Lot chose by sight and ended up spiritually and financially bankrupt. He was, he was a loser, the biggest loser at the end of the, all of this. He came into it all... Uh, rich and prospering just like Abram was but by the end of all this because of choices he made way back here at the beginning he was financially ruined and 
his reputation destroyed, everything destroyed because of a decision he made back over here. Think about what you're going to choose today, man. Abram chose by faith, not by sight, and ended up spiritually and financially blessed, seeing and possessing by faith the whole land of Canaan, the entire land of Canaan. And Lot, on the other hand, lived for greed and came up empty at the end of the day. He came up empty because he lived for greed. Don't live for greed is what I'm telling you here this morning. So how can we know, for example, whether we're under the influence of greed? That's important because of our materialistic society, amen? Well, first, we need to judge ourselves by the manner in which we seek the things of the world. In other words, if we put priority on things, if that comes like that's such a huge desire in you, then you might be a little greedy there. Um, there's nothing wrong with, with being blessed and getting things, but if that's your goal, just to acquire things, that's a spirit of greed. And I'm here to tell you, that is not good for you. It's not going to give you health to your family, to your kids, to your grandkids. Amen? We must first find out, and, and, and are we thinking more about those things, the things of the world, the things that we garner and can gather, or are we thinking more about the things of God, about His spiritual kingdom, about eternal values, about eternity? Those are the things that you need to be thinking of. Amen? Are we willing to violate or neglect our spiritual duties to pursue those things? If you are, then you're in a greedy place. That is the spirit of greed. People will violate their conscience at work. And most of us that go to a job tomorrow know this, that you will see greedy people that will violate what's right because they're greedy. Because they have no conscience. And we see that and we know it's wrong. Don't be that greedy person. Because then we're governed by that spirit of greed. See, wealth, wealth, um, well, excuse me, let me go back over here. Greed can send your life spiraling. How many know that? Greed can give you such a spirit of, of neglecting everything else. Neglecting the things that are, that are spiritual. Neglecting the things of God. Neglecting your family because you're so greedy. Um, you could become such a workaholic because you're greedy. And again, I'm not saying working hard and working long hours is wrong, but all I'm saying is that you need to take time to make sure you're giving time to your family, to God, your family. Because if you work and work and accomplish and gather much, it's not going to be any good if the family's not there to help you enjoy that. Amen? And then second, we have to judge ourselves by the manner in which we enjoy the things of this world. So, for example... If I just had such and such, I would be happy. If I just had that new uh, BMW, if I just had that new Mercedes-Benz, if I just had that new home, if I, if I just had that new job that was just posted, if I was just retired, I would be happy. No. You can be happy right now in the here and now. It's about the choices. It's about the desire. It's about your attitude. Amen? We have to shift our trust to God from material things. From, because the world's not going to make you happy. Your job's not going to make you happy or not going to fulfill you. 
It will provide income. It will help pay the bills. But it's not going to be a satisfactory thing that's going to make you satisfied in life. God, only God can do that. Amen? And then the third point here on this is, may we judge ourselves by the manner in which we mourn the loss of the things of this world. For example, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. What's your attitude going to be in that process? Is it going to be an attitude of bitterness because the Lord's now removed that from your life? If your home had to go for a short sale and you, had to, and you lost your home or you foreclosed on a home or you, you lost a job or your car was in an accident and you lost your car, are you now going to have an attitude of bitterness? Or are you going to say, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, but you're going to continue to praise the Lord? Are you going to be of that attitude? Amen. If the Lord gave that to you, He'll supply all of your needs. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. If our joy rides on our possessions, or if we are filled with anxiety and grief, if we lose them, we have mixed priorities. We are governed by greed. Don't be governed by greed this morning. Amen. And then point number six. Well, actually, let me, let me just, while I'm still on that previous point about being governed by greed, I just remember... Two years ago, it's almost three years now, the Napa earthquake. I remember the Napa earthquake. It sh- struck pretty hard. Well, we were living in Napa at that time. It was 6.0, right? And in the middle of that earthquake, when it's rocking your world, and you see everything falling down all around you, literally, um, bookcases, TVs, everything that's nailed to the wall is falling down, and you can't even get up because it's shaking so violently. I, we were, everybody's in bed at that hour. You think about life and death at that moment. I promise you, you think about life and death. This is it. This is the big one. That's what we all thought, right? Those of you that really felt that. And in that moment, you can you think about what are the most important things in life. And, and you know what? I didn't think a thing about anything I had in the house other than my family. My wife and my two girls. That's all I... And my dog. Because my wife would have killed me if I hadn't thought about my dog. But I didn't think about any about my laptop computer or clothes or shoes or any of that. I didn't think about that. I thought about my family. What's the most important thing to me? And that's your family. Because I didn't have a spirit of greed. I don't live in a spirit of greed. You see, if I had a spirit of greed, I'd have pushed aside the thoughts of my family and said, well, I need to get my, my laptop and my iPad and because I'd be a greedy person, right? Can you imagine that? But people live like that. People live in greed. Don't be that way. That's what I'm saying. Your family is the most important thing. Amen. And then, uh, now let's move on to point number six. Make choices which value fellowship with God over the approval of the world. So, the question here is, why did Abraham remain untainted, but Lot became corrupted? Well, the answer is found in verse 18. I want to read this verse to you. It says, in verse 18, Abraham moved his tent and came and dwelt by the oaks of Mamre, which are in Hebron. And there he built an altar to the Lord. See, you don't ever find Lot building an altar to the Lord. Never do you find him building an altar to the Lord. Abram was always faithful to put God number one. 
if God has blessed you with, with something because of a, a choice you've made, you know, a positive choice, thank Him for that. Rejoice in that. Even if God has given you something and now the Lord has taken it away, taken it away, give Him thanks for that. Maybe you didn't need that. Maybe it, was, it would have been a curse to, be, to you if you would have kept that. Amen? You don't ever find Lot building an altar in Sodom because of the fact that he settled in Sodom, became an elected official there. He was now involved in Sodom, basically in sin. His life was turned over to greed. It had swallowed him up at that point. The furthest thing on his mind was the things of God. Abram, Abram lived in fellowship with God and became known as the friend of God. How about you this morning? Do you want to become known as the friend of God? Do you want to know? Do you want to desire that as, as your uh, choice this morning? Because here's the problem: we as Christians we face a dilemma here. If if we pull out of the world because we're believers, because we're we're sanctified, well then we lose contact with the world. We don't make much of a witness. But if we get up to that fence and then jump head first, you know, or feet first into the world, then, then we lose our witness because we're not effective. So we got to watch that balance. we got to have balance in our life. See, Jesus never was afraid to hang out with sinners. How many know that? In fact, He, he welcomes sinners. we got a desire to have fellowship with sinners in the sense that the goal is to speak to them, to love them, and so that they would have a desire to hear what's declared in the Word of God. Amen? There will never be life change in anybody unless they capture this vision. Unless they see, what is it, this God that loves me, even though I don't know anything about Him, even though I, I don't even, can't even quote a scripture, He loves me? I don't get that. And unless you share that love with an unbeliever, they'll never want to come to a church. They'll never want to sit down and listen to the words you have to say to them. Jesus was like that. That's why He's our example. He made eternal promises um, to these people and they had that choice to make that choice at that moment. Amen? So again, we must learn to put fellowship with God above the approval of the world in all of our decisions in all of our decisions yes I said in all of our decisions even the simplest decisions oh I, I don't know where to send my, my children to school now well have you asked God really ask God yes ask God he'll tell you where to send your children to school a lot of parents nowadays don't want to send their children to high school They'll, they'll send them into private schools or charter schools, but they won't send them into our public school systems because of many reasons. Well, ask God, where, where do I need to send my children to school? Where do I need to send them? Um, that's just one example. There's many examples. We need to always ask the Lord, what do you want me to do here for my life? And then finally, quickly, point number seven. We need to make choices which value God's eternal promises over immediate pleasure. Amen. See, all of us want to have a, a, a lotto scratch off and become instant millionaires, right? That's, that's instant gratification right there. Is, uh, that's the only thing I can think of is a lotto scratch off. They still have them, right? I, I don't know. I don't buy lotto tickets. But that's immediate gratification. That's what Lot chose. He chose what looked appealing to his eye. The Lord Jesus said this, Matthew 6.33, and you have this on your outline. 
Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things. Everybody say all. All. These things will be added to you in Matthew 6, 33. Oh, Pastor Rick, I don't have a good running car. I don't have a good place to live. My, my, my relationship is falling apart. Uh, I don't have a spouse. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. I'll tell you why you don't have those. Because you're not seeking God and putting Him first. It's that simple. I don't know how else to tell you. It's that simple. It really is. Most of us want to seek the other things first and add the kingdom of God, well, in our spare time. When I get around to it, if I have time for it, we need to make that number one. I'm just telling you what works. I'm telling you what works. Because I love you. I'm telling you that if you want to have a blessed life, seek the kingdom of God first and His righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Amen. And I'm going to close this this morning. Um, Let's begin to make our choices based on God's principles. Amen. Relationships over rights. Godliness over greed. Fellowship with God over the world's approval. Faith in God's promises over immediate pleasure from the world. Because if you have God in His promises, you have everything you need. If you have God in His promises, and where, is his, where are His promises found? Right here. If you have His Word in your heart, if you're reading it, you have everything you need. If you live it, desire it, He will give you all these things. They'll be added unto you. I promise you. Do you receive that this morning? Yes. Do you want to live and make choices that will affect your family, not only today, but your family for the rest of your life? Remember that today. If anything, if you leave here today, just get this, that the choices I make today impact future generations, impact my grandkids, impact my family, immediate and extended. The choices you make today. It's up to you, every one of you today, to make wise choices. And again, I I challenge you, ask the Lord to grant you wisdom in that process. Amen. Ask the Lord to help you with that process.